we're going to be studying a mimer. Not just any mimer, but the Rebbe's first mimer, the mimer with which the Rebbe officially accepted his role as Rebbe. Um, and I'll just set the scene very bri- briefly for you, but the date is Yud Shvat, the tenth day of the month of Shvat. The year is Tovshin Yud Aleph, 1951. The event is the first Yortzeit of the Rebbe's Rebbe, the Rebbe's father-in-law, who passed away the previous year. Now, the Rebbe's father-in-law, a mimer comes from the word amira, or uh, to speak. So maimorim generally are delivered orally. It happened to be in the last number of years of the previous Rebbe's life, he was unable to speak, or he could not speak publicly. Um, so he pre-wrote, he wrote many Maimodim, which were released for publication. The previous Rebbe wrote a Maimer, which ended up being released on the date of his own passing. Now, of course, when he wrote it, and when it was prepared for publication, and when it was printed, nobody knew that. Nobody knew that. But in retrospect, that became, in a certain way, became like the previous Rebbe's last will and testament, because this was the last discourse, it was actually not the last discourse, but it was the discourse that was released for the date, which ended up being his, the date of his own passing. So a year later, on the yard site, now the Rebbe had been fabrenging, that means leading gatherings during the year, and speaking about, reflecting upon the mission that his father-in-law, the previous Rebbe, had left the Chassidim with. So it was not unusual that the Rebbe was, was, was leading gatherings and the Rebbe was speaking. But I should just explain very, very briefly the format of a fabrengen. And by a fabrengen, I don't mean a bunch of Chassidim who get together and fabreng, which there is something, there is a concept of Chassidim fabrengen together, but I mean a fabrengen with a capital Fe. A real fabrengen. That means the fabrengen, a fabrengen with the Rebbe, a fabrengen with the, which the Rebbe leads. So the main format, the Rebbe speaks, and when the Rebbe speaks at a fabrengen, the official term we use to describe that genre is called a sicha, like you may have heard of the Rebbe's sichas, lekute sichas. Um, a sicha means the Rebbe is speaking at the fabrengen. Then there's another genre. It's a different type of speech. I don't want to call it a speech because it's not oratory. It's far from oratory. Um, But it's markedly different. It's a different part of the Fabrengen. There's a different tone. There's a different energy. And it's called the Mimer. And the Mimer, first of all, there's a preparatory nigun. There's a melody that's sung very meditatively to prepare, to set the mood for for for, for the Mimer. I don't have to wear this? Okay, but it'll make me more official. As long as it doesn't rustle the mic, now I'm more official. Did it disturb the mic? It did. Okay, well, don't worry, we'll deal with that. We'll uh, just turn down that popping noise. But, anyway, but now, I have my, now I have my badge, so it'll be much better. Um, thank you. Where am I? Okay, good. 
You know the story about the guy in Chelm who he went to the bathhouse out of Shabbos and as he got undressed it occurred to him that without any clothing on he's not going to recognize himself and that when he gets back from the bath he's not going to be able to get his clothing and then from there he won't know which house to go to and which wife and children to go back to. His whole life will be confused. So he comes up with a plan finds a little red string in his pocket and he ties it around his big toe and he says I'll be the one with the red string around his toe that that's how I'll know that, that it's me and of course he gets into the showers and everything you know with the hot soapy water the the string comes right off and he doesn't know it and as he comes out and he looks at his foot and he doesn't see the red string there he panics and um, he's looking around and scanning the bathhouse, and then he sees another guy who had, unbeknownst to him, some other guy had walked and stepped on the red string, and with his wet, soapy foot, the red string was clinging to this other guy's toe. So the guy, the original guy, runs up to this other guy and says, Rebid, help me out. I know who you are, but do you know who I am? This is my red string. Okay. So the mimer is like a different tone in the Fabrengen. There's a preparatory nigun, a melody that's used to set, to, to set the mood. Um, I hesitate to describe these things because this is a, the domain of a Rebbe and who really can approach such holiness, but the Rebbe has a different look. It's a different energy. It's, it's definitely a different tone. I mean, that you can hear for yourself. There's a different... Um, there's a different cadence, there's a different tone of delivery. So the Rebbe is speaking here. He says, the Rebbe said, uh, and then it's quiet. Nobody knows what's about to happen. Nobody knows. And then, to hear this melody, this tone, you hear everybody shh, everybody's shush. No, 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 nobody was talking. <laughs> it wasn't like anyone was talking. <laughs> so who, why were people shushing? When they, the minute they heard that tone, once, once they heard that tone, they understood, hold on a second, something's happening here. The Rebbe is saying a mimer, a mimer serious business. That means the Rebbe had been fabrenging all year long. But now the Rebbe is saying a mimer. That's official Rebbe stuff. Now, if you'll notice, by the way, if you heard everything I said for the past five minutes, you'll uh, be able to identify an anomaly that occurred in the delivery of this mimer. Yes, you will, based on something that I said to you in the past five minutes. There's an anomaly. The part that he's not... So the Rebbe was talking without that tone, and then all of a sudden he goes into that tone, into the mimer tone, and what didn't happen before? They didn't accept the mantleship. Well, the melody. The, the melody. They didn't do the melody. You know why they didn't do the melody? Because they didn't know it was coming. They didn't know it was coming. They didn't know it was, the Rebbe's first mimer was, psh, nobody knew. It, was, it came out of the blue. So no, they didn't know it was going to be a mimer. That's why there, was not the, the, there wasn't the melody beforehand. The Rebbe was talking in his normal tone of voice and saying that 
the previous Rebbe said a mimer, which was released on the day of his uh, passing, and then all of a sudden, quiet for a moment, and the Rebbe starts to say, Now at first, the Rebbe is just saying verbatim the words of the previous Rebbe's mimer. So it's not clear, is, is the Rebbe repeating the mimer, which, which would be very possible, because you should also know that among Chassidim, one thing that is part of studying the Rebbe's Chassidus is to repeat verbatim a mimer, um, and even to repeat it in that tone, in that cadence. So the fact that the Rebbe starts doing it, it may just be that he's reciting the same mimer from his father-in-law. But there's a point early on where then the Rebbe is not following the words anymore of the previous Rebbe's mimer, and he starts adding his own words, and it all of a sudden becomes clear that the Rebbe is saying an original mimer based on the previous Rebbe's mimer. And then this became a custom every single year on Yud Shvat, the Rebbe would say another mimer, Bossi Lagani. Every year it would be Bossi Lagani, the same exact opening words, usually the same opening paragraph, the whole uh, introduction, for first section of the, uh, the previous Rebbe's mimer. And then the Rebbe would take another piece of that mimer and analyze it in depth. I should also add that in general the Rebbe's style of mimerim was to act as one might call it a commentary on six previous generations of Chabad Chassidus. Pretty much every mimer from the Rebbe begins as a commentary or expounding upon a mimer or maimodim of his predecessors, with a heavy focus, of course, on his direct predecessor, his rebbe, his father-in-law. Okay. So should we try to learn the mimer? See how we do? So the first thing we find at the top is the date. Beside the Dishmaya Yud Shvat Toshin Yud Aleph, tenth day of the month of Shvat, the year fifty-seven eleven. Case of Kedushas Merechami Admor by my mother Liyim is Talkose Yud Shvat Toshin Yud. So the first, this by the way, this line right here is not in other my because other my don't have that like introduction where it says. The previous Rebbe, my father-in-law, writes in a mimer, released on the day of his passing, Yud Shvat, that you don't find another mimerim. Okay, and then it starts the mimer. Bo silagani echesikala. Now that that's a poser. That's a verse from Shir Hashirim. Yeah. Ve'is be'medush rabba mkemei medush rabba in its place, meaning on in Shir Hashirim rabba in the Medrash of Shir Hashirim, says, what's the significance of this verse? Shir Hashirim is a metaphor Shlaim HaMelech wrote about the love between Hashem and the Jewish people, and he uses uh, the metaphor of the, the lovers, the, the husband and the wife. Hashem plays the husband's role, and the Jewish people play the wife's role. 
And um, so the male lover here is saying, I've come into my garden, my sister, my bride. He's calling his beloved. He's calling the woman, my sister, my bride. And he says, I've come into my garden. And, and what is this referring to metaphorically? It's referring to the day of, of when, the, um, when the Mishkan, when the uh, sanctuary in the desert was assembled and the Shechina came into the Kodesh Gdashim, into the Holy of Holies. And um, Hashem is thanking the Jewish people for making him a home, you know, like a, a husband who is grateful toward his wife who's providing him a home. Um, and, and the Medrash says, Legani, my garden, I've come into my garden. So it says, Legan ain't ksivkan. I mean, it doesn't say gan. It says, Legani, ele legani. The Medrash says, there's a hint here, Lignuni. Lignuni means a chopa, a bridal canopy. So the Pasuk, Bosi Legani, is hinting, it's wordplay, it's hinting to the idea Hashem is saying to the Jewish people, his beloved, hey, this is like our wedding. The place where my main presence, my, the main part of myself, my essence, was at first. What does that mean? That the essence of the Shechina What's the Shechina and what's the essence of the Shechina? That's what the Rebbe is going to analyze in a moment. That the essence of the Shechina used to be in the lowest realms, in the physical world. So when the Mishkan was assembled and the Shechina came back to the Holy of Holies, Hashem is getting nostalgic and He says, Oh, this is like the good old days. Remember this? When the world was first created? When my Iker Shechina was in the physical world, Ad Kan And that is the end of the quote. Now, so far, this is all from the previous Rebbe's Maimer. Now, the Rebbe asks a question. Now, to understand what is this term, Iker Shechina, it's a compound phrase, Iker Shechina, main or essential Shechina. Hine, Bepire Shechina, Mevorekvig, Jesus Admur Azokin. The word Shechina is, is, is explained by the Alter Rebbe, and by the way, if you'll notice, the Rebbe goes through and mentions each of the Rebbe, and from the Alter Rebbe, the Balatanya, through his father in law, the sixth Rebbe, in order quoting each of them uh, in order, bringing in a teaching from each of them. So the Alter Rebbe explains the term Ika Shechina, or explains the term Shechina, Shenikra Shechina, Al Shem Shechenes Lomaslav Bashes. The Shechina is called Shechina, because it's Shechenes Lomaslav Bashes. It dwells within and it gets dressed in. That means it's an imminent presence. There's the transcendent presence. There's the imminent presence. So Shechina is called that term because it means it's the indwelling presence. Like we find in the biblical phrase, I will dwell within them, which is referring also to the 
to the Mishkan. I will dwell within. That's what Shechina means. Shehu reish is hiskalas or einsof. And that, what does it refer to in hishtalshalas, in the chain-like descent of worlds? You know, that evolution from absolute infinity to the created finite realm that we experience, the phenomenological universe. How does that happen? How does that come into being? So there's a seder hishtalshalas. There's a chain-like progression of world after world, each world, each oilam, ayin vav lamed mem, being another helem. World means concealment. So each world being another layer or level of concealment so that the infinity is masked, creator is masked, and creation becomes more apparent. So where in this chain-like descent of creation is Shechina, the al Rebbe says, it's Reishish his Galus or the first or initial revelation of the infinite light. Well, hold on. Even if I don't know a whole lot of Chassidus or a whole lot of Kabbalah, I'm going to guess the initial revelation of infinite light, high level or low level? Pretty high level. The initial revelation of the infinite light, I'm going to guess that's a pretty high level. So from this, that he says, that Shechina is referring to this level we just described, it implies, and more than implies, it's pretty clearly stating, that Shechina, the word Shechina, can describe something that's higher than Atzilus. What's Atzilus? The, the highest world. So it's pre-worlds. Atzilus is the highest world. It's called the world of emanation. You think about an emanation. An emanation is like you know, the, the shaft of light shining from the light source. You ever seen that picture of uh, Grand Central Station with the windows lit up from outside? It's, one of the, it's an iconic American photograph. You go, you'll Google it after Google image search for sunshine, sunlight, uh, Grand Central Station. But it's just these massive windows, and the, the sun is just shining at the perfect angle. And you see just these giant um, shafts of light shining through this giant cavernous train station. So you think about an emanation. You can't see the sun in that picture because it's outside. But you know logically that the sun is an uninterrupted, unobstructed line away from that block of light that's on the floor of the train station. And if it wouldn't be, if, for instance, there'd be another building next to the train station and it would be blocking the sun, then you wouldn't have that patch of light on the ground. So think about an emanation. An emanation means this uninterrupted, unobstructed, continuous flow. So the first world is hardly a world at all, the world of Atsilas. In fact, the world of Atsilas is characterized by Oilam bihishadshus alokus bipshitos. What does that mean? The idea of Oilam, the idea of Helam, the idea of created or finite existence is a chidush, is a novelty. Alakus, godliness, is bipshitos, it's empirical. 
So in Atsilas, the Netzalim, the emanated beings there, these lofty angels and the Shamas, to them, you're asking them about creator. Creator, that's solid, like the table in front of me. You ask them about creation, they say, oh, that's too trippy. Hey, come on, you're freaking me out. Creation. Whoa, I got That's too philosophical, too abstract. Then you get down here to this world, the fourth world, and the physical part of that world as well. And everyone will talk to you about creation. Well, creation is solid, like the table in front of me. You know, that's empirical. Creator, eh, you got to philosophize a little bit. So, Atsilis is the highest world, but it's a world. But it's still a world. Then there's stuff that's pre-world. It's pre-world. <laughs> so, the Al-Tarebbe says that Shechina can refer to the very initial first revelation of the infinite light. So the term Shechina then is referring to something that's above worlds, even the highest world of Atzilus. In fact, it could be referring, or it seems here that it is referring, to the light before the Tzimtzum. The Tzimtzum is the condensing of the light. How did the infinite make room for the finite? There had to be a condensation, a squeezing. Hashem squeezed some space within his infinite essence where there can be the appearance of finitude. Now that didn't happen, you say, when did that happen chronologically? Well, chronologically there's no time for it because it's pre-time because time is a creation that happened within the worlds. This is before worlds, so it's before time. But procedurally, if you could think about it in a non-temporal but yet procedural way, you're talking about in order for infinity to start this project called creation, the first thing had to be is this tzimtzum. But we're talking about something even before, prior to that tzimtzum. And that's called shechinah. Because the initial revelation of the infinite light occurs, I'm saying in present tense because really it's all going on right now as well, occurs prior to the initial tzimtzum. And we're calling that tzimtzum. Like the Mitle Rebbe writes, the Mitle Rebbe was the Alter Rebbe's son and successor, Ki that the Kav and the Chut, we'll define them in one second, Lagabi Atzmius or Einsof, Nikresh B'Shem Shechina. If you compare the Kav to the essence of God, the Kav is called Shechina. What's the Kav? After Hashem makes this bubble, this vacuum, where infinity is concealed, and fin- finitude can come into being. So now it's empty, so to speak, or it appears empty. It's a vacuum. And the whole universe is going to take place. And by universe, I don't just mean the physical universe. I mean all the spiritual worlds as well, which are equally as vast. And there's a multitude of that. So all of creation, physical and spiritual, it's all going to take place in this bubble. What, what are the raw materials? What are the building blocks? It was just vacuumed out. It was just, it was just emptied. It's called a mokimponu or a cholo, a, a void space or, or a vacuum, an empty place. So Hashem shoots in a little ray, just a tiny little pinhole, you know, a little pinhole to let in just a little thin thread. That's why it's called a chut as well, a thread of light. 
And that little pinhole, that little thread of light, is the supply for all of the energy, for all of the creations, for all of the layers and levels of reality, spiritual and physical, for all of time. So, we're talking about a pretty lofty level. And the Mitla Rebbe says, that thing, that's called Shechina, that's called an indwelling presence, compared to the very essence of God. So the Rebbe says here, Shechina is a relative term. Depends what you're talking about. That's the definition of Shechina. Depends what you're talking about. If you're talking about Atsilos, the world of Atsilos, the highest world, then its lowest level, you know, there's ten spheres, and every oilam is made from these spheres. These are the building blocks or ten dimensions of every of every world or system of reality, however you want to call it. So the lowest sphere, the bottom sphere, is Malchus. So in Atsilos, Malchus is called. Shechina, because Malchus is that lowest level that's going to actually dwell in the next world, the lower world, the world subsequent to it. But the Tzemach Tzedek, the third Rebbe, explains that even this, what we call, that we call Malchus of Atzilus, the Shechina of Atzilus, but it's only when that lowest level, that Malchus of Atzilus, is acting as the source for Bria, the next world. But when Malchus is still in Atzilus, it's unified with all the other nine spheres. With the spheres of Atzilus. And you can't yet call it a Shechina. Why? Because Shechina means it's going down, it's descending, or going outward. It's an outward revelation. Revelation means it's coming outward. By the way, not to distract you from the flow of the Mimer, but the ten spheres are also mirrored in the ten koiches nefesh, in the ten soul capacities. So, what's malchus in a human being? The capacity for speech. That's, how I, that's my revelation. Or well, that's actually your revelation of me. My revelation of you is when you tell me what's on your mind. So it's that interface where the internal becomes externalized. So in Atsilus, what's the Shechina? Meaning how does Atsilus project itself or reveal itself or deliver itself to the next lower system of reality? When Malchus becomes a source to Bria. But like we said, it's a relative term because when you're speaking about the essence of God himself, then even the Kav is called that lower or external or outer revelation. So far, so good. Nevertheless, this that we just said, that Malchus Vatzilis is only called Shechina when it's descending, becoming a source to Bria, and not when it's in Atzilis itself, is not a contradiction to this that we just called the, the Kav Shechina. You just said the Kav Shechina, which the Kav is the highest thing, and then 
you're saying, but 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 Malchus is only called Shechina when it's doing something low, when it's delivering Bria. He says, When the sages refer to Shechina, you should know that the Kabbalistic synonym for the Chazal term Shechina, Chazal uses the term Shechina, you find it in Gemara, you find it in Medrash, but the Kabbalistic synonym for Shechina is Malchus. Malchus is the spherotic. Did I just use the word spherotic? I think for the first time in my life. There had to be a first. I think it's the influence of being near, being near NYU right now. I'm using academic terms, academic, what is it called, academies? Yeah. Um, totally distracted myself. So, <laughs> malchus is the spherotic term for the same thing that Chazal calls Shechina. <laughs> but when does Malchus act as Shechina? Only when it is delivering, or, or I could say giving birth to, uh, the next world, the subsequent world. That, by the way, Shechina is, is feminine. Grammatically, it's feminine. Uh, but also, it's functionally, it's feminine. It's, it gives birth. So when the lower, when the, when the lowest level of Malchus, of, of Atzilus, which is Malchus, gives birth to Bria, that's when it's called Shechina. Al-Bashorsha, but in its source, or her source, really, I just said it's feminine, so let's, let's emphasize that. Bashorsha, in her source, the source of Malchus, Hainu Kameshu Hulagabi Oireinsov, compared to the infinite light itself, Hinegam HaKav Nikr B'Shem Shechina, then we can even call higher things, like the Kav, we could call Another reason why the Kav is called Shechina as compared to the infinite light. The Rebbe Marash, the fourth Rebbe, the, the Tzemach Tzedek's seventh youngest son who became his successor, writes, see the Rebbe is going Rebbe by Rebbe, Lefisha HaKav, the purpose of the kav, ultimately, is to give energy, to give life to the worlds and to the Jewish people. So, although the kav is this lofty stage, its ultimate purpose is to be this indwelling energy that's going to enter the world, enter Jewish souls, and therefore we can call it Shechina from the term Shechenes, indwelling, even when we're describing it in its initial state, because its ultimate function is that indwelling. That's why even in its initial state, we can call it Shechina because of its ultimate function. Ulamayla Yeser. Now you want to go even higher? Let's go even higher. The real Shechina, there's a Shechina before Tzimtzum. <laughs> because, see, the Kav, the Kav is after the Tzimtzum. After the Mokimpani, the Cholol, after that vacuum was made, the Kav is that pinhole of light that is the energy for all of the worlds for all time. But, but, but that, that's all happening after Tzimtzum. What about before the initial Tzimtzum? Is there a Shechina there? Yeah, because remember, the Rebbe told us Shechina is a relative term. So even pre-Tzimtzum, there's, there's Shechina going at what is it? The Rebbe Rashab. 
that Rabbi Shabbos called Rabbi Nishmas who was the, uh, the son and su- successor of the Rebbe Marash, who was the son and successor of the Tzemach Tzedek, who was the son-in-law of the Mitla Rebbe, who was the son of the Alter Rebbe. So the Rebbe Marash writes, Shigilu ya'oyer kemeishuhu lefnei atzimtzum, nikre b'shem shechina. The gilu ya'oyer, the revelation of the light, the way it is before tzimtzum, is called shechina. Hold on a second. That be- be- before tzimtzum, you're having a shechina? And it's called the Gilu it's the revelation of the light before symptom. Then, then how is Shechina different than everything that's going on before the symptom? He says, no, it's the Gilu It's the revelation of the light. What else is light but revelation? So he says like this. There's light and there's the revelation of the light. There are three aspects or levels within the light that is before the tzimtzum. One, etzema oir, there's the light itself, the light itself. Vihispashtas ha'oyr, and the extension of the light. Ubihispashtas ha'oyr, base madregas, and in the extension of the light, there are two levels. So how many total now? Three. Three. He's, he's enumerating what the three are. There are three levels. The, the light itself, and then there's the revelation of the light. So that's one. And then two, the revelation of the light, or the hispashtus extension of the light. And in the extension of the light, which is two, there's two A and there's two B. Gilu ya'er shehu there's, in the extension or the spreading forth of the light, there's the light as it extends forth for itself, unto itself. And that is the source for the transcendent or surrounding light of the universe. And then there's the light that is for the sake of worlds that don't exist yet because it's pre symptom but will ultimately be for the sake of the worlds, that's going to be the source for the filling light. Okay. A few things going on here. Let's break it down. We're pre-Tzimtzum right now. Tzimtzum didn't happen yet. We have oil. Infinite energy, infinite light. We call it light. But within the light itself, we can start talking about light as intrinsic light. Like if a tree falls in the forest and no one's, here, no one's there to hear it, did it make a sound? Right? If there's light and there are no worlds, and let's say in theory, if there would never be any worlds, is the light still there? Yeah, it's still there. That's the light itself. It's intrinsic light. It's just light. It's not there to illuminate anything. It is light. That's the essence of the light. But then we can also speak about light. And these, by the way, these are not like different lights. They're not like like you could locate them physically. Like, oh, here's the light as it is intrinsically, essentially itself. And here's the extension part of the light. It's not... We're not talking about different 
pieces of light or places in the light. We're talking about functionality, different aspects of the light. You know, like I have my own personality, thoughts, feelings, inner world, but I also have my persona. Even if it's authentic, even if I'm not faking you out, but it's not exactly the way that you'll get to know me, even if I'm really trying to be genuine, is not the way that I think when I'm just talking to myself. Right? So, those, those are not going on in two different places. They're just two aspects of me. So there's the light as it is just the light. It's just for itself. The essence of the light. Then, then, then there's the extension or the spreading forth of the light. The light as it is coming out. But then, then, but, but then even in that, there's 2A and there's 2B. There's, it's extending, but it's, from, it's, it's for myself. It's not really for others. I'm talking out loud to myself. Then there is, it's extending, it's coming out, but it's coming out for others. I'm talking out loud to you. So I'm talking out loud. I could be speaking in code. Doesn't, no one has to understand me. I'm not really trying to be eloquent or even you know, intelligible. But when I'm speaking to people, I'm choosing words that I think they'll understand. I'm trying to speak about experiences that I think they'll relate to. It's, it's a whole, uh, it's a different language. Okay. And it's, but it's still me. It's still me, but it's just me as I'm trying to relate to others. So imagine the infinite light pre tzimtzum There's no one to speak to yet. S- speak to. Speech, revelation. There's no one to reveal myself to yet. But, 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 even before I've met anyone or made anyone else yet, okay, the infinite light, there's me, myself, just who I am. There's me as I reveal myself, but I reveal myself to me. And there's me as I reveal myself to you, or I will reveal myself to you as soon as you exist. (laughs) The way Hashem, the way the infinite light reveals itself to itself, for itself, is the source of the soivev light, the surrounding light. That's the energy that bathes the universe, or universes. Why do we say it bathes it? Again, we're not speaking spatially. We don't mean it's physically around us. What we mean is its effects are not discernible. Kind of like, you know, the Wi-Fi in this room. When I pick it up on the phone, its effects are discernible. But if there's no phone, then it's just sort of around me. It's floating around. If I have a phone, then it's in the phone. The Wi-Fi is in the phone. So there's energy which is sort of, it's around, it's floating around, it's there, it's present, but there's no instrument you can use to pick it up. You know, it, it's harder to explain soivev without first explaining mamale. Mamale means that, let's say, you know, this toy runs on a 9-volt battery, and this toy runs on a D battery, and this toy runs on a AA battery, right? And each one runs on a certain voltage. That's why it gets a certain battery, okay? So the cow needs a certain amount of 
energy, which is called the cow's soul, or nephish, to keep it running. The blade of grass needs a different nephish, or battery, to keep it running. Uh, that, that, that planet in the sky, it's using a different voltage or a different type of energy to, to keep it going. Um, the mamale basically means the filling light, the light that is the voltage, the right voltage to keep everything running the way it needs to run based on its functionality. All right? So its effect is discernible. The fact that you have a nephish in your body that keeps your vital functions going, that's mamale, that's discernible. The fact that the universe has an energy within it that keeps things alive, that keeps things growing, that's discernible. So that's mamale. So what we're saying is, pre-tzimtzum, there's the light itself, and then the light as it's, as it's revealed. And in the light that, as it's revealed, it's re the light as it's revealed for itself, which becomes the source for the surrounding or bathing light, which is never revealed, discernibly, to us. And then there's the light as it's revealed to worlds, which will ultimately be the source of the mamale, the filling light, which is the light which is apparent in its effect that it has on each living thing, according to the capacity of each thing. And why are we talking about this? Because even on this level, that's pre-Timtzum, there's Shechina up there too. There's a Shechina up there too. Let's, let's go look. The Gilui Ho'er Hazeh, and this revelation of light, what, what revelation of light are we talking about? To be the light which will ultimately become the source for filling light the battery pack that will enliven each individual created being according to its capacity, on that level, relative to that level, that's called Shechina. Even though we're talking about pre tzimtzum there's a Shechina up there too, relatively speaking. And it cannot yet be a source for the worlds because there hasn't been a Tzimtzum yet. So we're still talking about infinity. And in the, so, so if it's still pure infinity, it, 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 infinitude cannot, it has no capacity for it because there hasn't yet been a Tzimtzum yet. And nevertheless, even on that level, relative to that level, there's something called Shechina. Shalachin hutzrech liyais ha-Tzimtzum. In fact, what we're saying, before Tzimtzum, there can be no worlds. In fact, that's why there has to be a Tzimtzum. Because before Tzimtzum, there can be no worlds. The first Tzimtzum. First Tzimtzum is, is, in, a, is in a manner of Siluk. Departure, removal. Hashem removing the infinity. And nevertheless, even though we're talking about before that departure, before that clearing away of infinity ever took place, there's still, on that high, 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 highest of all levels, Relative to that level, there's still something called Shechina. So, yeah. If you're speaking about relative to the essence of Hashem, then the Kav is called Shechina. Yeah. The Kav is so they're the same? In that context, yes. You can call the Kav Shechina. But if we were in Atzilus, we wouldn't call the Kav Shechina. If we were in Atzilus, we would call Malchus Shechina. And even in Atzilus, we would only call Malchus Shechina when it's being a source to Bria. So it's all relative where we're standing, where we're talking. From down here, Kav's not Shechina. Kav, Kav is like 
crazy high. How can that be Shechina? But if you're standing in the essence, then look at the Kav. The Kav is just the, the outward emanation. It's all depending where you're standing. Why are we going through this whole explanation? Because the Medrash had said when Hashem came into his garden, Gani, Gnuni, his chuppah, his, his, his marriage canopy, he said, Honey, I'm home. And the Medrash says, You know why he says, Honey, I'm home? Because he's remembering the good old days when the world was first created, back in Gan Eden, when Gan Eden was a physical place that the, the essential shechina, the, the, the essence of the shechina was, was in the lower realms. So what does it mean? Iker shechina, not just shechina, not stam shechina, not plain old shechina, Iker shechina. So what does that mean? This is what it means when the matter says that the main shechina, the essential shechina was in the lower realms. The Shechina that was revealed in the physical world in Gan Eden wasn't just Shechina as it is in Atzilus in the highest of all worlds. I mean, Dayenu, right? Dayenu. Dayenu Malchus. It wasn't Malchus of Atzilus. Gam, In fact, the Shechina that it was down here in, 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 the, in, in Gan Eden initially wasn't even Shechina as it is relative to the infinite light. Hainu kav. In other words, the kav. Ki'im, but rather, what was the Shechina that was down here in Gan Eden, initially, when the world was first created? Ikeru penimiyas ha-Shechina hoise betachten dafka. It was the actual highest level of Shechina that can be described, the, the, the innermost level Shechina as it is relative to the essence itself. That was the light. That was the revelation. So what are we saying here? That in the physical world, the Shechina that was in the physical world, not the whole physical world, but in, in Gan Eden, the Shechina that was in Gan Eden wasn't just Shechina a revelation compared to what you normally experience in the world. It wasn't even Shechina compared to what you would see in Atzilos. The Alter Rebbe couldn't even write the word Atzilos. You know that? When he, would write, when he wrote Tanya, he would write Atzi, and they would make a little abbreviation mark because he couldn't finish the word. It would just, it was, he would go into a state of rapture. It was too much. And when he would speak, we'd call it Eiben, above, upstairs. He'd say, in Eiben, in, instead of saying in Atzilos. And look at how grub, look how crass we are. We just say the word Atzilos and we don't pass out. Look at us. Okay. Let's finish off uh, the first ice, the first chapter. One thing you should know, the light in the worlds is beseda vadroga. That means it, it attenuates through, a, through a, a, an incremental process. And to put that in, in simple English, the higher the world, the bigger light, godly light, energy. The lower the world, then proportionately, the, the less light and more concealment. So the, uh, the lower, 
he says, the, the, the light comes down incrementally. So in the higher worlds, there's a greater revelation. And then the, the lower it goes, the, the light decreases. And, and that's just the general rule for the way that light works in Seder Ishtalshus. As it goes to the next level, it, it decreases. Now, even though prior to the chet, meaning the sin, meaning the original sin, the uh, sin of the tree of knowledge, light was revealed in this world. Nevertheless, relative to the light that was in the higher worlds, the higher worlds had more, had more light. What are we saying? Because of the chet etzadas, the whole world became dim, spiritually dim. So there was more light in the world, and then from the sin of the tree of knowledge, there was less light. But it's sort of like, I don't know, uh, if everything in the entire world, including yourself, became twice as big, would you know it? No. No, because if everything, there would be no reference point for it. So think about it like this. Before the Chet Eitzadas, before the, the sin of the tree of knowledge, this world was spiritually bright. How spiritually bright? I don't know. Assign a value X. And in, in, in Yitzira, it was X squared. And in Bria, it was X to the third power. And in Atzilus, it was X to the fourth power. And then after the sin, it all got chopped down by a proportion, whatever proportion it is. I'm making up numbers right now, by the way. Did you know, by the way, that 97.4% of numbers cited by rabbis are made up on the spot? You know that. What? Not from the data that I... Depends on the... 100%? No, it's not 100%. Some of the numbers are actually real. Like if you ask, like, how many cups of wine at the Seder, then we, we know that one. But. So what he's saying here is there was more light, in spiritual light, in this physical world before the sin of the tree of knowledge, but there was more light everywhere. So proportionately, this world always had the least amount of light, and the spiritual worlds had more light. Follow why we're saying this. Why are we saying this? We're saying this because we want to explain something. In Gan Eden, where the Shechina was revealed, what Shechina was it? It was the, the highest term of Shechina. It was the highest, the highest way of using the term Shechina. That's what it's referring to when it's saying the Shechina was, was in this world. And, and you're going to say, well, the whole world was brighter. Yeah, the whole world was brighter, but all of the worlds were brighter. And, and which, by the way, by implication, what does that tell you? That when Odom and Chava sinned, it didn't just create a concealment of spirituality in this world, but it had repercussions in all of the universes. It diminished light even in Atzilus. Which, what's the implication of that? I don't want to you know, get too far ahead of ourselves, and I also want to wrap up here in the next two minutes. But when we're going to bring Mashiach and bring... Oh, spoiler alert, I'm sorry, okay. This whole thing ends with Mashiach. Okay, I'm sorry. If anybody hasn't learned this before, they've been unfamiliar with Judaism, I'm sorry. That's how it ends. Okay. At any rate, you all forgive me. Okay. I wasn't sure if anybody. At any rate. 
What? what? Haven't seen it you haven't seen it yet. Okay. You read the book, though. I did. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be better than the book. <laughs> okay. The, rea- the real reality game <laughs> in, this, in this instance. So um, when Mashiach will come, so it, w- it will be for all the universes, for all the Olamites. Even in Atzilus, Mashiach will, will, will make Atzilus better. Okay, but at any rate, the point is, what we're saying here is, the light that was in this world, not the whole world, in, in Gan Eden, the light that was in Gan Eden, what light was that? There was Ika Shechina, the highest level of Shechina. That wasn't just brighter than anything else in this world or brighter than anything else in all the worlds. It was brighter than anything else in all of the worlds, even the highest spiritual worlds, as they were before the first sin. That makes it seem like it was coming from Like the source, the light sound. Like even though it's like it's like having a light, but like the strongest point of the light would be the end of it. Yeah, it is saying that that there's a light. You are not misunderstanding. You're you're getting the you're hitting the nail right on the head. So there's this light, the highest level of shechina, which is the light as it is revealed or will be revealed to worlds. But there hasn't been a tzimtzum yet, so there's not, there are no worlds. That's called shechina. This is the most powerful level that we can even call Shechina. Then there's a Tzimtzum, which means a, a diminishment. And, and then there's a Kav, which is another you know, contraction. And then there are worlds, which each world is another. Helam is another layer of concealment. And it, the light, light, light is getting less and less and less and less and less and less. And then there's this physical world. And even pre-sin, this physical world, as bright as it was, was still relative to the higher worlds, a place of spiritual concealment where the light was the most concealed. And yet, what was revealed in Gan Eden was the same thing all the way up there. Yeah. So it's all getting diminished, 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 diminished. And then this one thing, and it wasn't here, it wasn't there, it wasn't there. It's, it's up here, and it's down here. Those two points. It, gets le- it starts off the most, it becomes less, 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 it becomes the most again. Yeah. When Gan Eden, the physical place before the sin of the tree of knowledge, the level of godly revelation that was in that physical place was higher than anything that was going on in any spiritual realm. It was identical to Ikashina. The revelation that exists prior to Timtum. Yeah. Why have all these levels then? Hmm? If, this, if, the, like, if the source of it and the end of it is going to be the same, why have a diminished middle at all? What's the point of it? That's a good question. The question is, why have the diminishment at all? So let's just... I want to finish in one minute, and I want to finish off the last couple lines here of Ois Aleph, and I want to answer your question, and we'll try to do all of those... Um, in the time remaining, but there's no point, or let's say, there's no novelty, there's no, there's nothing exciting about Iker Shechina being Iker Shechina up there. 
that's, that's what it is. That's where it is. The novelty is diminish, 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 diminish. And in that lowest place, the physical world, which is the place of the greatest spiritual, spiritual diminishment, to have the same intensity of revelation is up there. What did Hashem want? He wanted that paradox, that phenomenon of the place that is the greatest concealment can somehow home the greatest revelation. So in the greatest finitude, the revelation of the greatest infinity. That's Hashem's desire. He's seeking that paradox. Why? Afataiva frekmanishkin kashis. Regarding a desire, a craving, you can't ask why. If somebody says, I need something, you could say, prove it to me, argue, defend it. I don't believe that you need it. And if you can't argue in defense of your need, maybe you don't need it. Because needs are practical. And if you don't have a good reason why you need it, maybe you're being impractical. But if you tell me your desire, if you tell me, I don't know, I just really have this desire, I can't argue with you and say, hmm, nah, convince me. I don't believe you. Mm. Convince you? What? With what logical argument? Well, if you can't logically defend the fact that this is your irrational desire, maybe it's not your irrational desire. <laughs> Trust me, the more intense the desire it is, the more personal it is to me, the less I can explain it to you. The less I can try to make it an, a, a, a rational thing. So Hashem's desire, irrational desire, his taiva is that the lowest, this paradox, that the lowest place, the place of the greatest concealment, should house the highest level of revelation. Okay, let's, let's, let's finish off. Okay. Even though before the sin, this world in general was a greater place of revelation. Even then, relative to the higher worlds, this world had much less light than the higher, higher worlds. Like the sages say, he stretched forth his right hand, right is chesed, is revelation, and made the heavens, meaning the heavens are a place of godly revelation. He stretched forth his left hand, and he created the left hand, left meaning restraint, restriction, uh, masking, that means that the physical world is a place of concealment. That's even prior to the sin rather the meaning when it says that the central shechina was in the physical world or at least in a specific location of the physical world what is the kavona, what is the meaning of that term it's referring to light that is higher than worlds pre-tzimtzum light that is the essential shechina and that's what had a place somewhere in a physical place meaning in Gan Eden in this world before the sin that's what we had. That's what we lost because of the sin of Adam and Chava. That's what we're trying to get back, spoiler alert, by bringing the Shechina back to this world. So when we say we're going to bring the Shechina back, what Shechina do we mean? Ika Shechina, what's Ika Shechina? A revelation that's higher than worlds. To be continued.